Before we start, I want to recommend another podcast you can find wherever you found this one. The Industry by Dan Delgado dives deep into the weirdest, most forgotten chapters in Hollywood history. The latest episode is about a film called The Blue Bird, an attempt by Jane Fonda, Elizabeth Taylor, and others to try to thaw the Cold War by going to the Soviet Union. It did not succeed. Check out The Industry wherever you found this. Welcome to Movie Maker. My name is Tim Malloy, and today our guest is Mandri Makijani, director of the new film Skater Girl, which is now streaming on Netflix. The film tells the story of a young girl, played by the excellent newcomer Rachel Santita Gupta, who lives in rural India and has few opportunities. Her father mostly wants her to do housework and enter into an arranged marriage. But then she encounters a visitor, a woman visiting from the UK, named Jessica, who's played by the also excellent Amrit Magara. Jessica wants to get in touch with the village her father is from, but ends up leading the charge to build a skate park for the children of that village. That story parallels Makijani's own experience, as she's about to explain. This is a movie that's very appropriate and positive for kids, but doesn't sugarcoat any of the struggles or realities facing girls growing up in rural villages all over the world. And now, here's Manjari Makijani, who not only directed but also co-wrote Skater Girl, which is, as I mentioned, now on Netflix. Mandri Makijani, welcome to Movie Maker. It is such a pleasure to talk with you about Skater Girl. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. The first thing I want to ask is just how you became a filmmaker, and feel free to answer that question starting as early as you like. So I I actually didn't even know that I wanted to be a director early on, but I knew that I wanted to tell stories. It was my father who told me, oh, you know, you think like a director. And I had no idea what a director did at the time. But I remember sort of, uh, you know, watching stage plays and movies and always in my head making my own version of how it should be or what should happen. <laughs> so so it was a really early on process. And then, of course, through uh, being part of like dramatics in college and uh, directing plays in college and being part of the theater team, that's how the sort of journey started and very organically grew into you know, assisting on set and going off and making short films. So yeah, I think pretty much uh, from school is when I was uh, pursuing being a filmmaker. And your father was an actor and a director. Actor, what- yeah, he was. Yeah, my 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 father was uh, was uh, uh, an actor who did uh, who did over two hundred films in the Hindi film industry. What did he mean when he said you think like a director? I don't know what he meant. And I and I had no idea because I asked him, I said, what do you mean? I think like a director, because, you know, an actor acts and, you know, the 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 costume people put the costume, the makeup people put the makeup. But what does a director do? Because the script is there. So I had no idea of what he meant at the time. But uh, but I but I, now when I look back, I think I think what he probably, you know, was um, was just suggesting was just the idea of sort of the mastermind just orchestrating uh, how a scene should be, because I would tell him, oh, you know, this scene should have come in before that. I would have felt much more uh, moved if it came in after that. So in my head, I was sort of dissecting pieces and putting them together like a puzzle. And uh, and 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 he saw he saw that pretty early on. Hmm. I I read an interview with you where you said that when you were working on other films, you always have very strong opinions about how the movie should be made. Was that before AFI, after AFI, or both? You know, it's so funny. That question was really off. Like, I can't remember, but somebody recently did ask me that. And I was like, 
no, I don't have strong opinions when I'm watching a film. In fact, when I'm watching a film, I'm just taking it in as the audience and trying to connect with it as much as I can. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, sometime, it's sometimes when you're watching certain films where my head will be like, oh, you know, this could have happened that way or, or like, what if? There are a lot of what if questions come in my mind. So yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a tricky question they asked me. <laughs> uh, when did you join AFI? Uh, so I did AFI in uh, 2016. It was the directing workshop for women where they select eight uh, uh, filmmake, female filmmakers from around the country. And it's a very prestigious program to be part of because that's the program that actually got me my agent and it got me recognition here and opened the doors for like other sort of Hollywood studio projects um, and labs uh, like the Universal Directors Initiative and, uh, you know, the Fox Filmmakers Lab. So the AFI DWW was really sort of the, a pivotal moment in my career here. Yeah. And you'd already worked on a lot of very high profile films before this, including The Dark Knight Rises. And I believe, were you on Dunkirk? Yeah. So I, so I, you know, I started as an assistant director mm -hmm. and uh, The Dark Knight had a small sh shooting schedule in India. And I was the second, second assistant director on just that tiny little part that they shot in India. And then I reconnected with the team when I moved to LA because I had to start from scratch. So mm -hmm. that's when uh, um, I got in touch with the first AD and uh, and got a chance to be part of the LA schedule of the Dunkirk. Wow. Now, when did you first formulate the idea for Skater Girl? And how did you first come up with the idea? So I, I actually stumbled upon the skate scene that was kind of booming in India, but nobody knew about it. And there were these skate pockets across India, across communities, both in the cities and in the rural area. And each of these communities were thriving and the children there were just sort of blossoming and, and what it was doing in these communities was what caught my attention. And I realized that, wow, like I'm in LA here, I see skateboarders every day. I mean, I know there's a sense of achievement and sort of rather a sense of freedom when you step on the board, but it was doing much more than that in India. And that's when I did sort of a journalistic sort of deep dive research in understanding what it is about skateboarding and, uh, and India that is, you know, catching on like that. And then in 2017, we decided to build a skate park in a new village, in a remote village in Rajasthan, where we spent a lot of time researching, you know, I met hundreds of girls in, in rural Rajasthan to understand what it is for them to step on the board for the first time. And a lot of the challenges that we faced constructing a skate park in rural India found its way into sort of the film and Jessica's character and, and the struggles um, kind of my sister and I went through um, putting it together. Yeah, there's just a fantastic story about gender within this. First, in the scene, which I'm sure is pulled from your interviews, where Purna explains what it means to her to be on a skateboard. And it's just, I don't want to ruin it because the movie does it so well, but it's really beautiful when she just explains the symbolism of the skateboard. And the fact that you then had sort of this life imitating art, art imitating life situation with building the skate park is just incredibly moving because it, it sounds like, well, can you just sort of explain how your building the skate park changed the dynamics of um, the community is called Rajasthan, right? Yeah, the state is called Rajasthan. And uh, the, the place where the skate park is, is a little village called Kempur. 
and it's 45 minutes away from Udaipur, which is the city of palaces, the city of lakes. Mm. And, um, and, and, you know, it, it did change the, the whole game for us because it went on from just being a movie to being sort of a personal endeavor and a personal commitment to that village, to the people and to the children, because we were witnessing firsthand girls and boys transform in that skate park. I mean, kids who were not, you know, expressing before, who were not going to school before. And uh, there was a boy who was kind of like, you know, written off where nobody would really talk to him and he would hardly say a few words. He took to skateboarding so naturally. He not only sort of, uh, you know, excelled in school then, because we may, we would make sure that kids who were not going to school were not allowed at the skate park. So people would go to school. So he was stopping his school. He, he was singing. He found his sort of way to express himself. And we realized all he needed was just a channel and an outlet to sort of facilitate what he already had. And he had so much energy. Earlier, he didn't know what to do with that energy. And, um, and he went on to represent uh, Rajasthan in the national championships uh, a few weeks ago. So it's incredible to see how, how these kids have really, you know, sort of uh, transformed in a way. And, and, and I don't, and I think, you know, skateboarding is just the catalyst. It's, it's, not, it's not that they needed skateboarding for that, but it was, it's the catalyst that sort of just gives them that freedom and that sense of achievement and confidence to know that, oh, wait a second, I can do this. And if I can do this, I can maybe also do this. So it's pretty incredible how, uh, how they kind of go hand in hand. And, and that's the thing that fascinated me in the first place. And, you know, it's happened in communities in Africa, in Afghanistan, and, uh, and now in India. Yeah, it, it's a very pleasurable movie to watch and a very kind of easy watch. It, uh, you really just have fun watching it. And then about two thirds of the way through, I sort of picked up on, it, it took me a while, but it just suddenly dawned on me just how destructive it is when you have both families and villages that are kind of run by these old fashioned men who have these really rigorous ideas about, you know, the roles of girls. And I, I guess it's, the reason I mentioned that is because it didn't force feed that message. It just made that extremely clear to anybody who watches this with, you know, open, clear eyes. That that's what's going on. Did you find that going there and directing a movie sort of broke that down a little bit, sort of broke down that patriarchy, not in a, you know, smash the patriarchy bumper sticker sloganeering kind of way, but literally change the dynamics of the village? Yeah, yeah. And that's such an amazing question because it did, like you said, life imitates art and art imitates life. It was what was happening, you know, in front of us. I mean, the, the film, just from a story point of view, you know, we spent so much time just researching the dynamics uh, in, in Rajasthan. And, and we're very familiar with the place. I've shot there a lot before. And, uh, you know, every, every community, every state in India has its own sort of own sort of sub, subcultures and traditional norms and, and different caste systems. I mean, different, there are different castes in different states, right? So it was very important to represent what was happening there in an authentic way and in a very non-judgmental way, because, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, here's a preachy message and this is what happens. It was important for the backdrop to be as real as, as we could make it, make it be. And a lot of research went into uh, sort of uh, bringing that, that uh, to the screen, like you said, it was whether it's the it's it's gender discrimination or whether it's a caste system 
or whether it's just girls not, you know, having their own say and, and their own sort of decision. And I met one of these girls while I was scouting uh, in Rajasthan who, who, you know, was probably 16 or 17 and, and she was not allowed to leave the house because she was married off when she was really young mm. and her husband had left her. Uh, and now she couldn't go out sort of as a single woman uh, because it would bring shame to the family. And I was like, well, if this was not your case, what would you do in life? What would you become? And she teared up and said, well, nobody's ever asked me that question before. Mm-hmm. And, and that just broke my heart. And, you know, I was all the more convinced that this is, the, this is the village where we need to build the skate park because it needs to inspire girls to know that, wait a second, you can dream what you, what you sort of want to pursue and, and at, least have, at least know that you have the option of dreaming and pursuing it. And, and these things found its way into the script, you know, when Jessica speaks to the queen and says she met a girl who, you know, uh, didn't know what she wanted to do in life. Yeah. And uh, and behind the scenes, we were facing the same struggle because when we were sort of putting, you know, the skate park together, it was done before the filming, of course. Everybody would ask us, oh, so who's actually behind this? You know, is it your father? Is it your husband? Like, who's like, we know you're doing it, but who's like, who's the male, who's the male figure behind this? And it took them a second to understand that, oh, wait a second, you know, this is, uh, this is being led by by two Indian women, and uh, I think I think in the first sort of couple of instances they go like, oh, okay, it, they need to recalibrate, and then and then they sort of just go with it because they're like, all right, you know, I guess this is what's happening. But one of the moments that really made me realize that there was transformation happening for a different uh, generation was when. One of the boys, uh, you know, were just hanging around my video village. One of our skater boys from the from the villa, from villa came poor. and uh, he came up to me and said, "You know, uh, what what is it that you say? This these magic words you say, it and everything changes after that." I was like, "Oh, what what do you mean? What magic word?" And he said, "Just you say something like got it." I was like, "Oh," and I couldn't understand what he was saying. I said, "Okay, tell me when I say it again." And anyway, we were filming a scene, and the scene got done. And I was like, all right, got it, moving on. And he said that word. And I was like, oh, got it. He was like, yeah, when you say got it, everybody's running around and everything is changing. And it's like, you know, a whole sort of uh, uh, chaos on set. What does it mean? And I said, well, got it means I got what I was trying to get, you know, shoot. And now we are changing the scene. He said, he said, can I say it next when that happens? And, and of course, you know, he said, got it. And the whole crew turned around and had a good laugh because it was such an exciting moment for him. But uh, but that was the moment when he said, you know, when I grow big, I want to do what you do. Wow. And and that was quite, you know, that stayed with me because that's not something a boy of that age in that place uh, looks up to a woman as a role model and says, oh, you know, I can do what you're doing. It's it's more like looking at a male figure and saying, um, so so yeah, that was... That was really special because uh, I was like, wow, these kids are seeing that women can be in leadership positions and make a change. It's interesting how this movie goes back and forth between Hindu and English. And Hindi. Hindi, thank you. Hindi and English. And the way that it really, it's not distracting. It works, it flows very well to me as somebody who obviously only speaks English. Um, 
did you intend it first for an Indian audience or for an international audience or both at the same time? Yeah, it was always aimed for for a global audience because I felt that the story was such that it was universal and that people would be able to relate to it. And uh, sort of the flow between the Hindi and the English was very natural because that's how sort of it happens that way to people who are comfortable in English will switch to English. And the moment they're speaking to somebody, you know, who's comfortable in Hindi, they'll switch to Hindi. And, uh, and, and sort of to add to that, there's also sort of local dialects that are, that are there, which, which we consciously then stayed away from because we were like, you know, we're already doing the Hindi and the English. Let's not bring in the local dialect. But um, yeah, but that, that would have been nice if, if that was added as well, because if sort of two people are speaking in Rajasthani, they would switch to a completely different uh, dialect. <laughs> and the movie that, you're, that you have coming out in August, Spin, for Disney, um, is somewhat similar. It's about a girl who discovers DJing. Yeah. How do you think you, how did you find DJing and, and skateboarding as metaphors? And what sort of, what do they have in common, if anything? You know, it's really funny because um, while doing press for both the films, I realized that, oh, wait a second. Yeah, there is a sort of commonality. I mean, one is that they're both sort of completely different and un- unconventional things, but both of them uh, become the catalyst for somebody discovering who they are and for somebody sort of uh, unleashing their talent and embracing uh, embracing their dream, really, and going after it. And uh, and I thought that was that was sort of the common thread between between the two films. Uh, I didn't realize it at the time, but yeah, now when I when I look back, I realize that yeah, they they both have that. They're both coming of age stories, and they're both female protagonists who are discovering their passion and their talent. Can you talk about the character of the queen? I love the role that she plays in the film. Yeah, you know the queen uh, is played by the iconic uh, actress Vahida Rahman. And uh, she's so graceful and so effortless. Uh, it um, uh, it was very important to sort of, you know, juxtapose the different characters, whether it's Prerna, who's from sort of the village, or it's uh, Jessica, who's of Indian heritage coming from outside, or if it's the queen right at the sort of, you know, the royal uh, sort of status, that they all have their struggles. And they all have something that they can connect with each other and relate to each other. And it's a story of, you know, Prerna coming of age, but it's also a story of these women across different sort of places in society that beautifully sort of come together and, uh, and connect with each other. Because I think as, as women, we're more similar uh, than the differences we have. And, uh, and, it's, uh, and it's women standing up for each other that's also sort of, you know, sort of an underlying theme through the film. Yeah, I, I love the role that she plays. I love first the actor. I also, I love how she plays the role and I love the way that you use that character strategically in the film and where she appears and sort of comes again. She's really a highlight of it. And the other, I mean, Jessica Emmett Magara is incredible. And I believe you discovered Rachel Santita Gupta who plays, yeah. how did you find her? We had a very extensive casting process. We uh, opened up the casting to skate communities, to NGOs, to public schools, to government schools, to private schools, pretty much, you know, across the board. And we were like, we would just want to find the best prayer now that we can find. It has to be somebody who can just sort of not say any lines and still say a lot through her eyes. 
and uh, and we did a very non-traditional sort of casting approach and uh, uh, looked at more than three thousand uh, children for for casting the main lead. So it was an extensive sort of workshopping process, and and once she got selected, it was a five-month training process to sort of train her in skateboarding and train her in. Uh, you know, just sort of performing for the screen, doing improvs. So yeah, I mean, we even even Ankush, it's his first film, Shafin Patel, and some of the kids that you see in the film are all first time actors. And you know, apart from the finale, the where this uh, skate competition is, the championship, that's where we have a lot of skaters from the actual skate communities across India uh, come and sort of play themselves. But all the other kids learned skating. For the film at the Desert Dolphin Skate Park in Rajasthan. You know, I usually ask filmmakers what their biggest challenge was. I have to guess that your biggest challenge was building an entire skate park. Can you talk about? And was that the biggest challenge? Yeah, it was. It, building the skate park was the biggest challenge. I mean, we uh, one. It was a mammoth task to sort of on an independent feature to go off and decide to make this monstrous. You know, Rajasthan's first and one of India's largest skate parks at the time, and uh, we had an incredible crew, Hundred uh, Rams and Holy Stoke Collective put together an international team. So we had uh, people from Denmark, Belgium, France, uh, Switzerland, the U.S. come together, and of course the India, the, the Indian skateboarder, skateboarders who came together, plus the locals from the village who came together to construct it. So it was a huge undertaking. And uh, at the time, we didn't realize what a huge, ambitious task it would be. But we were constructing in the middle of monsoons because we had to keep the timeline. Concrete was coming from like far away because we were in the middle of nowhere. Sometimes by the time the concrete would come in, you know, it would sort of get retarded, and we had to put like different chemicals in it. Sometimes we didn't know what chemical was going on it. It would go on, and we were like, "Oh, wait a second! You know, the timing has gone off. We had to undo what we did." So it was it was completely sort of a non-film task <laughs> uh, to to make the skate park, but uh, but we were there. We were there every day when they were constructing, and we were there with the team because it was so important for us to make sure we get it right and make sure that even the team who's there um, understands uh, why we are making the skate park. Yeah, and you started an NGO with your sister to do this. Uh, we uh, after the film we set up uh, we set up a trust called the Living Grace Foundation uh, to be able to continue the work that's going on because you know if we just left it then there'd be cows and uh, sort of uh, bulls sitting there in the skate park and it would just be deserted so so we're actively doing sort of volunteer programs there and skate training workshops um, yeah to keep to keep sort of uh, the activities ongoing I mean it's a lifelong commitment really it's not just you make a film and move on. This uh, is a movement that that will sort of live beyond the film. That's it, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. I love. I don't want to spoil anything about the movie, so I'm not going to say anything else. But astonishing. What well, just one of the coolest things I've ever heard of a filmmaker doing it, it to build the set and then leave the set and have it continue as a monument to the film and as something that the people involved can use for decades is incredible to me. So oof, I don't even know what to say. Thank you. You know, it's, it's, it's really nice that as a filmmaker, when you can use art for change, it's not that you get that opportunity all the time. And, 
And here it was sort of naturally staring us in the face. And we were like, yeah, why not? You know, it is, it is, it does sound crazy when you say that in the beginning, when you're just sort of writing the story. But, uh, but yeah, it, it's definitely one of the most uh, rewarding things that came out of the movie for us. The last thing I always ask filmmakers is whether you've taken a moment to just kind of enjoy this. I mean, you have this movie on Netflix. It has international appeal. It's getting really resonating in a huge way. Have you taken a moment to just step back and say, I did it? Or is it just on to the next thing? You know, I haven't had a chance to sort of sit back and enjoy it. It's been, uh, I, I was uh, in um, finishing off the film for Disney. So I was just on the go. And, and right now, even while doing press for Skater Girl, I'm finishing off the final mix for the Disney project. So I haven't had that moment to sort of just um, just let it sink in that, wait a second, this film has, you know, uh, touched people and uh, and sort of really resonated with people across across the globe so I do I do read some of the personal messages that uh, you know the audiences send me and those those are really fuzzy heartwarming feelings that was Manjari Makajani director and co-writer of Skater Girl which is now on Netflix if you haven't seen it I think you would probably really like it you should you listened this far you're probably gonna go see it If you like this podcast, the best thing you can do is forward it to a friend. The second best thing you can do is subscribe. The third best thing is award us some stars or whatever they're doing on Apple these days. Or a review. A review is good. All right. We're at moviemaker.com. We have a print magazine, Movie Maker magazine. The latest issue is very good. It has Felicity Jones on the cover. There's a big interview with James Gunn. There's a lot of fantastic stuff. I'm Tim Malloy from Movie Maker. I hope to see you back here very soon. Thanks for listening.